640 Toronto presents Think Tank. The breaking stories you care about. Facts and opinions that get you through the day. Now, let's meet the guests. Let's do just that. We've got former Liberal MPP, Education Minister as well in the Kathleen Wynne government, and we're always happy to hear her opinions. Mitzi Hunter joins us on Think Tank. Great to have you back. Yes, great to be here, Greg. Awesome. And Stephanie Smythe, of course, noted broadcaster. And I don't know what all the notes are, but noted broadcaster. (laughs) I just read the teleprompter, Steph. It's great to have you back as well. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Greg. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, Steph. All right, let's start here. Rental market in Toronto. I couldn't believe this number, and we just chatted about it earlier in the show. Almost 20% of renters are in arrears to their landlord. We had some insight earlier. We had Daniel Falk on, who's a great guest, um, and we talked about these Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation numbers, Mitzi, and he made the point that the landlord-tenant board hearings get so delayed, this number might be part of a buildup of cases, but at the same time, it's concerning numbers. It's a really surprising number, given it's way over our national average. Um, We've all got some stress about this, don't we? We do, and we know that the rate of inflation is also seeing numbers both from the rental market as well as from high mortgages. So this is being borne out in Toronto in many ways, and this is another example. What's surprising about this number of 20% is the leap just in just one year of 7%. So it really shows that people are under stress affordability is a real, real thing. And I agree that the landlord and tenant board backlog is not helping either landlords mm. or tenants in this matter. Let me stay with you, Mitzi, on that front. What do you like, like from your insight, being in government previously and in the opposition party the last few years, what could fix this? This is in, is in, in essence, excuse me, a provincial jurisdiction. How do we tighten it up and make this more uh, run more smoothly? There, there are no easy fixes. Um, incre- increased wages would fix this. So mm-hmm. people you know, are spending way too much of their income on, just to keep themselves housed. And, and we're seeing that. I mean, look at the food bank um, reports just yesterday showing how many people who are working, relying on food banks just to put food on their table. And so people are, are not paying rent because they're choosing not to. They're not paying on time because they just can't afford it. And so this is, this is a real serious issue. And we can see that it's getting worse in markets like Toronto, where the vacancies, particularly for affordable units, is, it's like below 1%. So it's just a really, really tight renter's market, and uh, and we're seeing this bear out in the rise in arrears. Steph, it's a, it's a shocking number. Again, we, we, we often link Toronto and Vancouver and say both really mm-hmm. expensive cities, both housing bubbles, but they don't seem to have ne- one in 25 renters there are in arrears. It's one in five here just based off these valid, legitimate numbers. Yeah, it's astonishing and it's so disturbing because it, it's just to all of Mitzi's points, right, that it's a reflection of the economy, inflation, everything. And it's not just for the renters, the people who are the landlords as well, who, you know, have these these rental units. They're missing payments because heavens knows they are mortgaged, right? They've got the increased mortgage payments. So it's just a circular thing, cyclical thing that's just, you know, it's getting worse and worse. So in terms of solutions, you know what? Who knows? With the the renters market just being so terrible as it is, and you know, people. I know people are doing all they can to help kids these days. And they say they're not going to be able to afford a house. 
forget it. You're not going to be able to afford your rent, right, at this point. Find anything that is remotely affordable in this city. So what's got to burst? What's got to give here to make this remotely affordable or hopeful in any case for living in the city? Why Why would you even try except for your employment? Well, I'll tell you a quick story, Steph. My wife drove my son. He had an interview. Uh, he's a grade 12 right now, and he had an interview at, at Western um, where uh, your alma mater, right, and my alma mater, mm-hmm. the Mustangs. And, uh, and but we we had to just just show him that chart that shows average one bedroom rent. And it, it hit him like a ton of bricks. I could tell that a Toronto apartment for one bedroom, not that he'd get a one bedroom and hopefully he'd get into residence, whichever school. But if he didn't, he's rent, he's a renter. All of a sudden, it's an eight hundred dollar difference between Toronto and London. These are decisions we didn't have to make. Mm-hmm. Mitzi, you, me, most of our listeners, we didn't have to make calls quite like this when we went to university. It should be the last thing you should have to worry about, to be honest. No, and I have to say that the pressure from, because we have so many institutions, we have five universities and colleges in the city in Toronto, it does add increased pressure on the rental market. Yeah. And and we're seeing that play out in all sorts of ways. And the solutions take a long time. So the federal government has taken off the GST um, on purpose-built rental, which Mm -hmm. is great. So hopefully more will be built, but it's not going to be anytime soon. So these pressures, as we're seeing them bear out, are affecting, you know, those like students and newcomers and others who are trying to get into the affordable rental space. Steph, I'll ask this without you you giving too much family information <laughs> out. Your kids have had to go, they're older than my kids, but they've had to go out in their own way and forge their own way. What do they say generationally about about the things they're experiencing? Well, you've heard of boomerang kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they leave, they go to school, they come home. So, you know, some of mine are still on their own, like out, out there in the rental space. And we've got uh, one who's moved back home for a little bit until until he gets married to see, you know, to try to help out. Right. Do what we can, um, because it's just so ridiculous to mm. see kids who were born and raised in Toronto. In my mind now, I know kids always want to get out and live in their own space, but it's just insanity to pay, you know, three thousand dollars a month for a box you know, just somewhere downtown. So, and they, and many of them can't afford it. Mm. So you do what you can. We're, we're always there to help in any way we can, because we grew up in a generation where we were lucky enough to have opportunities that they just don't have now. We understand that. And uh, so our kids are lucky they can have help, you know, in terms of moving back home, but that doesn't apply to everybody either. Right. Wow. So. Well, We're just and, ready to help. That's all. And and the yeah. uh, the mom that is Stephanie Smith is going to have really high standards for a potential uh, husband for one of her daughters. Let's be let's be perfectly <laughs> honest about that. There's there's a there's a long quiz. There's some uh, there's some athletic endeavors. Like, like, you got to be multifaceted, multi talented human being <laughs> to get into that family. I think. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go. Um, I want to, and this is uh, right in Mitzi's wheelhouse too. Uh, Doug Ford and his comments about provincial judges. You're an ideal person to ask about this uh, because for how long the Liberal government was in power with Dalton McGinty and Kathleen Wynne. But Doug Ford was back at it again at Queen's Park, kind of saying the quiet part out loud. I think we've all understood the quiet part as part of it. But here's what he said about judicial appointments and wanting like-minded uh, jurisprudence in our province. I'm not going to double down. I'm tripling down now. We're going to triple down on making sure our communities are safe. We're going to triple down on getting judges that believe in throwing someone in jail when they kick the doors in, put a gun to people's heads, terrorizing their kids, terrorizing the parents. They're letting them out, not 
going out on bail once, not twice, not three times, not four times, up to eight times, put little Johnny back on the street, give him a gun until he can kick the next door in and put the gun to the next person's head and hand over the keys. I'm sick and tired of judges letting these people out on bail. We're going to hire tough judges, tough JPs. That's what we're doing. All right, Mitzi Hunter, you've been in that legislature the better part of 11 years in government and in opposition. How do Doug Ford's comments land for you? And by your recollection, the like-minded comment is something I think we get to some extent, but is he just being too forceful about it? How do you view it? Well, he's under the immunity of the legislature because he's speaking within the chamber and, and therefore he can say what he wants. But when you look at this outside of that, um, it's really dangerous, the the notion that he's saying, you know, a, a political party and partisan appointments will influence who gets to be a judge in this province. And we know that our judicial system, the entire system, should be hands off and, and should not be controlled by any party at all. In fact, the whole process of appointments is, has been constantly meddled with under Premier Ford and his government from the number of uh, applicants that are recommended. It, it moved from the top three to the top six, giving mm-hmm. the attorney general more say about who actually gets appointed. And there, there should not be any relationship whatsoever. I think what what the premier is doing in his comments, he's conflating issues of safety and fear that people are feeling in society with who is appointed as a judge. And those two things should not be mixed at all. Let me ask you, though, is that is it smart politics? Is it hard for a Bonnie Crombie or Mart Stiles to sort of shout that down and go, because I think he's feeding into how the public's feeling right now about safety, uh, Mincy. But, but, but we, we know, for instance, that politicians should not direct the police. Yep. Like we don't want to see that kind of state. It's the same thing when it comes to our, our judicial system. It should be hands off. And any politician, whether it's Merritt or Bonnie, mm-hmm. should be able to clearly say that. And people will understand that. They want, a, they want fairness when it comes to the justice system. Steph, what do you what do you see? Um, it's a uh, you and I know it. It's a it's a blood sport in the United States to root for oh, people. Uh, yeah. We saw it when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away when oh, Donald oh. Trump was president. People were like, "Why didn't she give it up earlier?" Angry right. at her because she didn't quit. And maybe it's a dumb thing to have a job for life so that the average age of that court is like eighty six years old sometimes. But still, it's it's. I get people saying we don't want to Americanize this, but I don't think we should be shocked that politicians appoint judges that kind of have the same worldview. Right. It sends shivers down my spine in some ways, right? You just, you you nailed it with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what happened with in the U S and to hear, uh, you know, Doug Ford speak the way he did today. Well, you know, that is, and Mitch is correct, obviously immunity in the ledge, but he is tapping into a sentiment that many are feeling right now, helplessness and, you know, crime is increasing and, he knows it. That's why he's tripling down, because he knows he's got support for this. Look, we just see a poll out this morning about Pierre Polyev. Uh, 41% said they vote conservative, you know, 25 the liberals and, you know, the NDP dropped. So there's, there is sentiment out there uh, learning and leaning in a conservative uh, anti-crime vein. So he's tapping a nerve. He knows what he's done technically is mm-hmm. within the rules. 
And um, he obviously feels very comfortable saying that he's tripling down. And talking about what Mitzi's saying, the public understands this and that, that we shouldn't, the police should be, you know, left alone, politics, you know, church and state, etc. I don't know that anybody knows anything or understands anything anymore about how systems work. I really have great concerns. Certain demographics do, but the younger generation, not so sure. And so I, I don't I think this is going to slip by and and it is within the realm of what is legal and what is the process right now in this province. And unless it's changed, this is what's happening. Well, let's go to let's go to the, the latest polls. And Mitzi, I'm curious to get your read on this. We, I sent you guys a, an Abacus Data Ontario poll and it's such early days. And really, I don't think we can judge until, let's say, Bonnie Crombie gets a seat in the legislature. But you experienced this firsthand in real time in 2022. The Liberals got obviously washed pretty badly in 2018 uh, in, in the provincial election. You were one of a few Liberals that kept your seat. You did again in 2022, which speaks to your popularity. But it must have been so frustrating that a lot more people voted liberal and you couldn't gain any ground. And this poll shows just 11 seats for the liberals if people were to vote right now and 88 for the conservatives. Yeah, it's just mind boggling, really. And when you break it down by region, I mean, it really tells a story and where Bonnie Crombie, Merritt Stiles, the Green Party have to focus if they want to diminish the power of this PC government, which we just talked about, mm-hmm. that uh, you know some of the policies might be, be getting really questionable the longer they stay in power. And you know, if Bonnie Crombie gets a seat, that changes that seat count immediately because they don't have the Liberals gaining any seats in the 905 areas. And I would imagine under her leadership, we would do better in those areas. So it's way too early to talk about seat counts, as mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> two, you yeah. know, two years plus out from a general election in Ontario. But it is a good indicator of where the party needs to focus if they want to gain ground. And they have, and uh, you know, we experienced this both in 2018 and in 2022 that, you know, Millions of people voted liberal, but it didn't translate into the seats. And that means that the campaigns have to be run very differently if they want to gain party status and move towards governing in the future. Stephanie, is there a message to the NDP and liberals to to land messages a little bit better outside of downtown Toronto? I often worry we're in a little bit of a a Toronto progressive bubble sometimes. And there's good things Mm -hmm. about being progressive. But they're clearly not hitting notes outside of the 416 that there's no 905 seats for the liberals if if we had an election today. That's shocking. Right. And I I guess, you know, you just have to keep going on the ground game. Right. And it's just constant. But I'm with I'm with Mitzi. It's like, let's not go there. It's like a basketball game. Right. (laughs) Looking at things now (laughs) and things change over time. Right. So like there's two years. Um, yeah, you take a look at this now, it seems pretty hopeless, but things can change, sentiments can change, sentiments rather can change in sentiment. But, um, you know, and we look at what happens on the, uh, on the federal level as well, which can inform, you can never really predict, but I'm sure there's a lot of um, backroom discussion about just what the game plan is, the ground game and where and mm-hmm. how if anything, is going to make a change here. Steph, let's stick with... And, and, oh, go ahead, Mitzi. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. say that, you know, there are things that might hurt um, Doug Ford, mm. such as the Greenbelt scandal, which is still under RCMP investigation. We don't know 
how mm-hmm. that's going to unfold in the months and, and, and the you know, years potentially ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and people were really, you know, turned off by that, which, which you know, showed how Ford quickly, you know, tried to, to pivot and, uh, and to move away from that. So it, this is a long way away from being done. <laughs> There's so much ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think two things can be true. It's a little concerning for now, but as Steph said, it's you're really early in the in the first quarter of a four quarter game here. Um, mm-hmm. We got, we got a few minutes here. I want to get Ross Hall on with an important weather update about three four minutes from now to let people know. But uh, let's stay with you, Steph. I can't support this one. I see this story from the Toronto Catholic teachers asking to work from home for safety's sake on the day of the solar eclipse on April 8th. And without spending eight minutes explaining what a solar eclipse is, let's just say it all sounds a little ridiculous to me. Most teachers don't want this, but I'm worried we've allowed the vocal minority to to voice in here and get what they want. Give me a break. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, okay, you know, why don't we just go a little bit further and get the, the shutdowns back in place, right, to keep everybody from COVID so everybody stays home and closes their eyes and averts the, the skies, you know, just to be safe. There are no words, Greg, really. This is just ridiculous in my mind. And somehow we survived eclipses when we were at school. I don't know. Right? It's yeah, we just, stayed in for recess and we shut the, and the blinds were shut. I remember missing a 15-minute yeah. outdoor recess. I'm still upset about it. And that was it. exciting. It was exciting, <laughs> right? And you learn, you still learned and you were able to go avert your eyes, you know? So I, 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 there's, I just can't. There. That's my comment. Mitzi, <laughs> right. I mean, this, to better ensure uh, like teacher safety, stay home. You got windows in, in your home. Um, like, I, I don't know. You're probably safer in school where you know the windows will be shut. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, full disclosure, I do work with on occasion with the Toronto Catholic uh, School Board. And, uh, and there are lots of reasonable people. So, you know. I'm not sure why the, the 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 PA day is not being handled differently. Maybe they're going to go to a virtual format on that day and avoid this conversation altogether <laughs> because it is only 15 minutes and it right. may, might not be that disruptive in the city core as well. So um, it might be much ado about nothing and um and and just, you know, people have to be adults, really, in terms of how to handle things like this, because we have to model that behavior uh, for the kids. I want yeah. you to spread that we have to be adults message, and I want you to report back before April 8th and let me know how it lands. I got to go for now. Thanks so much for the time today, you two. Bye. Have a great day. There's Bye. Mitzi Hunter, Stephanie Smythe joining us on Think Tank. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry, hurry. Hello? Are you